0: 23 Skidoo. Hey, peoples. Roland. It's been a while. Uh, not that long. No. A approximately a week. No, <laughs> we did this on a weird day last time, didn't uh, we? Oh, yeah, then we. It might have been less than a week. Or more than a week. No, I think we did do it on Thursday. Anyway, what's going on? Uh, what's going on? Hey. Um, so, we did not review Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are collectively dead because... A reviewer that Chris likes uh, did it, and he didn't want to very recently steal um, brain matter content from them. So we did something else. Yeah, we did Moon.
1: But but by the way, if if you if you want to scratch the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Edge, if you're very excited about that, and you don't know which reviewer we're talking about check out uh kyle calgren his Mm. show is Brows held high Mm, that plug Uh, do it it's it's really good anyway my favorites
0: so (laughs) this review show we did moon starring sam rockwell and norman rockwell and rockwell (laughs) the musician who did what what in the butt yes and and um uh, i drink brass monkey and i rock well yes Got a castle in Brooklyn. That's where I dwell. Exactly. So um, this movie is uh, about an astronaut, I guess. Um, he, well, okay. So there's a company that mines, um, a specific unobtainium chemical from the moon. Well, helium three. That theory,
1: th- th- that's a that's that's an actual thing. No, it's not. It it is it is a. No,
0: it's not. No, it's, it's not. It's not an actual. It doesn't exist. Helium exists. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's
1: not. What I'm saying is, it's not as out there as
0: unobtanium. <laughs> it 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 is equally as unobtainable. Yeah. Um. So they're harvesting this element from the moon to provide power to the Earth, and this company is a multi. Gazzadrillion dollar company,
1: Lunar Industries. Yeah,
0: and uh, so we come upon our protagonist who is just living the day to day, operating the moon juice harvesters, and you know, just having a go of it. And uh, he crashes, well, he starts hallucinating. You know, you see him living out his daily life basically. He starts hallucinating, he theoretically only has about two weeks to go um before he presumably will be sent back to earth um he starts having random hallucinations one of which causes him to crash his moon rover into one of the giant harvester vehicles um we awaken on sam or we come back after a break to sam awakening um and being told he just had an accident. Um, There's some very fishy things going on. Uh, The robot that is his personal assistant named Gertie, Gertie. voiced by Kevin Spacey, um, is telling him he can't go back outside for a while until his support arrives and stuff like that. But he uh, decides to go outside anyway, goes to visit the crash site, and finds the body of himself. Uh, So brings that back. Uh, He's still alive. So they go through all of this um, pretty straightforward plot. and uh, and, um, Just find out how this whole clone thing works. Yeah, so they're clones. They discover an entire uh, collection of clones being stored in the base and realize that everything they know is a lie and that they have been clones of Sam Bell doing this job for uh presumably I guess 12 or 14 years um something like that yeah. yeah and um yep and then one of them like they replace one of them back in his location uh the the guy the Sam that was found in the crashed um Harvester the,
1: the original Sam the original Sam I that we start with.
0: with they put uh, they just, they come up with a plot to awaken a new clone, put that Sam, Um, back in the rover because he is deteriorating and dying anyway uh, presumably because clones only have X amount of lifespan before they just give out. Um, So they put him back and the other newly awakened Sam goes back to Earth and seemingly spills the beans on the whole operation. um, To what end we don't really know and it doesn't really matter. So that's the basic plot of the movie. How did you find this movie today uh, Chris?
1: So you uh so so neither of us had ever seen this one. Correct. Um, you I had not really even heard anything about it. Mm. You you had heard more about it than I did. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, you had heard that it was kind of a uh, a critical darling. Well, it's it's and, it's uh, kind
0: of like a nobody knows. Not too many people seem to know about it, but it seems like everyone who has seen it. Recommends it highly, which I yeah. completely understand. Yeah,
1: I I understand why this uh, why this movie uh, receives that kind of praise. I don't know if it was uh, if it was necessarily my 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 shit though. Really? It, uh, so I think it it's not that it's it's not that it is uh that it is. Poorly laid out or poorly told, uh, it conveys uh, it, it conveys mood extremely well. They they have a it, it's it's just you know essentially the the environment that these two clones are in are just you know themselves alone on the moon. You know, no one else is there. They have they that have, is the plot. Yeah. They have Gertie. And there's a really, like, you know, all these very sparse moonscapes. There's a very minimal soundtrack. Everything uh, has, like, this background electric whir to it that kind of, you know, becomes white noise after a while. Yeah. And, um, you know, it it conveys that really isolated, lonely feeling really, really well. Yeah. and there, there's nothing, there's nothing that I can point to that's and say, you know, this is a, this is a fault with the movie. It's just, so the first part of the movie is very engaging when all the when all the clone stuff, initially starts to happen when you you know, you're you're seeing the first Sam, uh, he's he's hallucinating, you know, things, um thing and he's having, you know, strange dreams and stuff about his wife, you know, he's obviously very, you know, ready to go home and you're kinda right there with him even from the beginning. You're like, yeah, you know, I'd go crazy if I was in this environment for three years. Yep. Um and it is uh it it's it, it's very engaging and gripping for uh for for the, for that first like third of the movie and even more so after the crash when uh when when the sam clone wakes up and and he's you know suspects there's something fishy and you suspect there's something fishy and all that's really good and then the movie kind of loses a lot of that that gripping, you know, tense momentum that it had when uh, Gertie pretty much just tells
0: it starts revealing Sam, pretty Sam, much.
1: Sam Sam just asks Gertie, he's like, Am I a clone? And Gertie's like, yep. Yeah, you're a clone. Yep. And at that point it's like and then but they still do this whole thing in the in the second act of the movie where they're discovering how the logistics of their situation works like how
0: just how shitty this situation is basically. yeah
1: like like they're they're discovering how they um how they you know where where the clones are kept how the clones are disposed of what kind of lifespan the clones have how they're blocking communications to uh, to earth which has been a thing yeah Um, they're, they're just discovering all this stuff, but you kind of don't care at that point because you're like, yeah, we know they're clones. Like, (laughs) and, and there, there's this, there's a ticking clock thing that had, that gets established in the second act that there's a rescue team, finger quotes coming. Um, and you, you get the, the idea that, you know, since you know, they're clones now and they know they're clones it seems like, you know, what's the rescue team really going to be there for? Mm. And they're there for the exact reason that you think. Pretty much every time you think that you've put something together in this movie, it's just like, yeah, you're right. Like that instant. It's like, yeah. yep, you figured it out. Good yeah. job. <laughs> and it just, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad way to tell a story. It's a really matter of fact way to tell a story. Mm. And it's a pretty realistic way. I, I think I even I I took a note that this I thought had some similarities with Take Shelter, and that there's not a lot of mm. while while there while there is a lot of uh, while there are some fantastical elements in this case sci-fi, um, that that make it you know that make it interesting and 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 attention grabbing. There's really no misdirection or subterfuge or you know hard driving plot it's all wrapped up in how much you care about the characters and how much you want to see them you know interact with a mostly uh sparse you know isolation
0: type situation okay so that's interesting i i I don't know. I really like this movie. I I dig it. I you just said it wasn't your shit.
1: I mean, I think it's good. I just don't think I'd watch it again. Well, that, that's what, I mean you can
0: you can think something's good but not like it. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, or not like it like a lot. You yeah, know, not love it. Um, I I, th- I I actually love this movie. I would I would watch it again. I um. I was actually a big, big fan of the matter-of-fact storytelling. Mm-hmm. It was very refreshing. Um, I always am a fan of being able to sort of figure out what was going on, and as you said, that wasn't very hard in this movie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I actually pr- pretty, pretty soundly um, enjoyed this one. I thought that the plot, while not um subtle no
1: not not, at all. not
0: subtle and subtlety is a is a thing that i am a proponent of but the the what the plot while not subtle was engaging um was interesting i i bought into the whole situation um without really you know second guessing it and um yeah it 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 you know not I'm a big fan of taking movies on their own terms. And not every movie has to have 10 layers deep of analysis. Yeah. I know you love that, but and, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> um, but, and I think there is, there is, there are, there are broader reaching cultural um, statements that this movie makes mm. or, you know, economics or however you want to say it. Um but I I uh, no, this movie it just it just has a has a cool this is like the kind of story that I would write. It would be nowhere near this good, but like it ha- it, it just tell it, it has a cool idea. It, it takes the, the idea from inception to completion and you feel satisfied with the ending. And uh, yeah. I, I you know it's it's not a movie that you're gonna sit there and and ponder. You know the the deeper implications, even though even though there is stuff to think about, you're not you're not left wondering about anything. There's no like in like in to use the take shelter example, like you're left at the end to wonder. And this was something that I didn't like. um, You're not really you're not as much left to wonder as I would have liked in that movie. Yeah, but (laughs) but for for the most of the movie, at least until the very end. You are sitting there wondering, you know, is this real or is it in his head? And um, there's almost none of that in this movie, uh, yeah. even though there could have been. There, yeah. there was definitely a place for it, but they were just like, no. Here's the story. We're walking you through it. We're gonna tell it with some amazing shooting, some oh, yeah, some visuals. some tasteful editing, um, pretty pretty good but toned down dialogue and you know just it it just has a story it's it's like a short story almost it this movie is told very similar to like a short story
1: i i I was actually about to to mention something like that this uh this the the things that i like that this movie does um one i like that you know sci-fi is a much bigger is a much bigger, broader, uh, uh, genre than it used to be. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it used to, it, sci-fi is, it, up until this point in time has, has fallen into some pretty, you know, niche categories. Yeah. You, you have the, you have the, you know, <laughs> you had the fifties, Edgar Rice, you know, whiz bang, sci-fi, mm. fit, high fantasy type stuff. And you have the, uh. You've always had the the more technical sort of stuff, and I I like this uh, movie because it kind of goes back because sci-fi for a while now has been sci-fi has actually been
0: sci-fi themes on action movies. Yeah, or drama movies or something like that. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it's been it's been it's been a different kind of movie that has sci-fi elements, but nothing's been just like purely sci-fi especially hard like like probable science like stuff that can actually take place yeah, in or, the way or, it would take place or even
0: a mo- it's you don't see many movies that are sci-fi first yeah like and, and like I, when you think about interstellar that is a that is an action th- thriller drama first yeah. and then sci- it's just skinned with sci-fi. Yeah,
1: and and so this movie I thought was really cool that that it was definitely sci-fi first. It was way more like concerned with with you know giving you you know here's the here's the world that we built, which it does with great subtle world building. Um there's um, there, and and it, it's like here's the world that we built, here's the scientific concepts we're trying to get yeah. across here's what we're excited about. They
0: set that up in five minutes and you and you take it all even though it's pretty pretty hard pseudoscience you you take it you take it pretty easily because they don't they give it to you and then they don't uh, masturbate about it.
1: yeah and and the stuff there, there are elements of it that are, are pretty soft pseudo. Pseudoscience, and there are elema, elements of it that are pretty like the way that the stations run, the way that yeah that that are are very yeah I wouldn't very, no
0: I'm calling the premise pseudoscience yeah for the actual helium three being scraped off the moon yeah every and, everything and
1: being used to power seventy percent of the earth
0: everything else besides <laughs> that is pretty straight pretty pretty believable yeah like
1: and, and so it's it's really nice it's really nice to have something that that want you. That wants you to see its concepts and wants you to, to see yeah. the, the technology and the ideas it's putting forward. Yeah, and before it, anything else. Um, it
0: logistically it, it lays everything out pretty practically.
1: Um, I actually thought <laughs> the one of the first things that I, I said was going back to this feeling a little bit more like old school sci fi, before sci fi was a big, you know, genre industry, you know, cash cow type thing. In, uh, in in movies was, uh, I, I kind of I was like when it was very first opening up I was like, you know, there's one guy with a robot on a spaceship, you know mining you know stuff for Earth, for a corporate you know for, for a big company back on Earth, and I was like, is this is this based on a Philip K. Dick story? Yeah. Uh, like for a second I just thought it was like the most grounded Philip K. Dick story ever, and with how many Philip K. Dick stories, they get, um, they they, they get... Movie adaptations. Movie adaptations, I was, I thought, it was a pretty safe bet, and I looked it up, and it's not. And I was really surprised about that. No, as
0: far as we can (laughs) tell, it's a completely original screenplay, which is cool. Yeah, very cool. Don't see that much these days, and by these days, I mean 2009. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Um... The, uh, the,
1: the... Yeah and and another thing that I really liked was uh like I said the subtle world building. Mm-hmm. It uh you you could see where where Sam had uh, had had kind of you know marked all over the spaceship and tried to like personalize it. There's yeah. a, there's a great little exchange where they're talking about the clone thing. And it, the way that the exchange—it's only like two lines—but the way the exchange is done gives you so much information about the world and the background that they come from. It's basically one one Sam confronting the other Sam and saying, saying pretty much, "Face it, you're a clone."
0: Yeah. Or,
1: or we're clones, but the way he says it communicates. One, they they come to it as a very early abs- assumption. Mm. Like immediately, they, they pick it up. They don't go through any other things. It's yeah, like, I mean,
0: we're clones. As soon as they start talking to each other, which takes a couple scenes, uh, that they're 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 there in a minute or two. Yeah,
1: and so by him acknowledging it so quickly, it's like okay, we live. Th- this is set far enough in the future that cloning is a. Possibility, sure. and it, it, it's just it's something that someone would go to as a first, yeah, under these circumstances as a first, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah guess. Yeah. And the way he says it is a very like sneering, like you're a clone, like yeah. like that communicates that back home, it's or back on Earth, it's unethical, possibly certainly frowned upon, maybe something you couldn't get away with something if hush that weren't on the moon. Yeah. And at the end it, it it confirms that. So that's I thought that was really great world building, just how much you know how much that statement, face it, you're a clone or, yeah. or whatever the exact quote was, yeah. it, it was it was a short sentence but it conveyed a lot of of the the background yeah, again, th- this movie just
0: because it was done so matter-of-factly, which is just a, a thing that this movie just does. It's just yeah. here, here, here's what's going on, man. Don't try and don't try and think too hard about it. Now, now there was one
1: bit of misdirection that that I uh, that I noticed, and that I've made several notes about. Um, so this movie very ballsy cast kevin spacey as a robot yes um and i applaud any movie with the balls to just to take a talent like kevin spacey and be like you're playing a robot yeah <laughs> you're 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 playing the robot sidekick
0: i, I before you get deeper into your point uh, i read i was reading the imdb trivia page when we were about halfway through uh, uh kevin space they wanted kevin spacey for that part like that's who they, that's who they wrote the part for. Well, Gertie? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And, uh, the, he was like, I'm interested, but I'm only going to record, uh, I'm only going to, uh, play this part, uh, after you guys film the movie and I watch what you have and I like it. So he watched, huh. he watched it and liked it and then came in and recorded all of his lines. In a half of a day, <laughs> I mean. So that is one. I, I thought movie, that was pretty cool. I,
1: I looked up. Uh, I saw on the Wikipedia page for this movie that they actually uh, the the budget was five million. Yeah, which is pretty. Yeah.
0: Uh, was scant.
1: Yeah, for 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 a quick basis of comparison. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who has uh, has ever watched, um, this is going to be a very weird tie-in. But for anyone who's ever watched uh, *Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back*,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: Kevin Smith paid the city of Los, or or paid Hollywood like city township whatever. Um, three million dollars to get a shot of the hollywood sign yeah. <laughs> so if that gives you a basis for how cheap five yeah. million for a oh whole yeah movie oh is, yeah absolutely oh my god the, this
0: i mean the other <laughs> thing that that ties that ties into that is uh the other the only other really tidbit i read on the imdb trivia page because i do not want to spoil anything right was uh this movie was filmed in 33 days
1: see that's that's being very effective on a budget yeah i, I like that a lot but uh, but yeah, so so the one bit of misdirection that this movie really does have is you hear Kevin Spacey's voice coming out of a robot controlled by a large corporate entity, mm. and you're like, that robot's gonna be evil. Yeah, it was the first thing I said yes. when we started watching the movie. Yes. I was like, the robot's gonna be. evil. I was like, yeah, it was
0: literally first scene. I'm like, that robot's Kevin Spacey. You you said it's gonna be evil. It's like. <laughs> And it's not.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's actually totally like. It's
0: really nice. Weirdly admirable and, yeah. and sweet. It does it, it does its duty, but is very compassionate. I, somehow,
1: I I, I do kind of want to think that that in the lore of the movie, um, the actual Lunar Industries company. Really hired Kevin Spacey, like the actual person. Oh yeah, <laughs> that would awesome. The the voice for the robot. Yeah, you're, like, you're going to be our speech detects voice. <laughs>
0: yes, that would. I, I'm. That is canon. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's head canon. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um,
1: but but yeah, so I was I was totally ready for it to be evil. Yeah, and then it wasn't, and it was kind of sweet.
0: It kind of
1: doesn't but, make a lot of sense in a couple of ways, but I'll get into that a little bit later. No,
0: you can get into it now.
1: Okay, so there there are some <laughs> things... I don't know what else we have to do. <laughs> there, there are some things in the movie that make me question just just why they're around given Okay, so so the motive of the company. Yeah. The, this this company is to instead of having to contract and actually pay human beings on a three-year contract to go up to the moon,
0: train them mo-
1: train them, monitor this thing, they're just going to to make clones and have a near endless supply yeah. of clones yeah. that they can use and they'll refill them when they run out and it'll be, and, and it's more cost effective, labor effective. Uh, and, and keeps the world running and with a company like that if, as long as everything stays running no one's really going to go out to the moon to check up on them you know it se- seems to be the deal but so they have this, this, this situation that seems like they should be prepared for it to go wrong at least once or twice every you know 20 years or so it just seems statistically probable that you know, there's going to be an out-of-sync cloning or something's going to go wrong, yet they still keep two or three of everything readily accessible. Like, they, they keep two spacesuits out. They keep two rovers out. I can understand the rovers because if one malfunctioned, you'd want to have the other. One.
0: Yeah, well, the same could be said for a spacesuit.
1: I I guess, but it just seems like if if you're really trying to keep activity on that on that base to one person, you would want to limit how they're like. like
0: you're it, you're right. You're well, right. You're right. But actually,
1: I just realized at, that I debunked my
0: own thing. At the point that you have two clones, the fucking cat's out of the bag anyway. I don't think it matters if there's two spacesuits.
1: Well, I I just realized that I kind of I I was running back through it in my head. They 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 didn't plan. Wait, no, that actually raises another question. Okay, so I'll walk you down take my a, logic. I here. was gonna say take us through your uh, <laughs> take us through your train of thought here. Okay,
0: so that train is just uh, chugging along down the tracks, and I want to move through the compartments and see uh, who's sitting in these uh, who's sitting in these compartments.
1: Okay, so. Let's say that there are two spacesuits yeah. readily accessible. Sure. So True. Okay, so, so when the one clone gets into the crash, another clone is woken up ahead of schedule. A little bit of ahead of schedule. Two weeks ahead of schedule. Yeah. So when that other clone goes out and finds the first clone still alive, that clone is still wearing his spacesuit. Yep. So that accounts for his spacesuit. Mm-hmm. So there would have had to have been at least two spacesuits on board for the other one who got who who got woken up ahead of time. Yep. Cause but but usually when the clones are are you know disintegrated or whatever, it's suggested they do with them. Uh, they, uh, they they don't do it in the spacesuit so they're probably planning on reusing the spacesuit but if every clone gets his own spacesuit as it's implied by the new clone having its own spacesuit unless there's a large backstock of other space, it, it, it just it doesn't make sense
0: so if you really want to dig deep in semantics <laughs> if you really want to dig deep in semantics on this one I can, I can probably say that we could explain that as um the other spacesuit was gone um and um Gertie put another one out because they have some in just in reserve. Yeah, that, so he put another one out because he knew another clone was waking up.
1: Yeah. Yeah that that would that would yeah. That's that's the only way that makes sense. So yeah. Alright. That one's not a bad Like they have
0: they have <laughs> they have ten fifteen spacesuits in the basement and they just pull yeah, one if they need it. I guess. So so, Gertie those, seems to have pretty much access to this whole ship. Yeah, but not in like a, um, not in like an iRobot kind of way where it's like invasive everywhere. See, like Gertie really only speaks when spoken to for the most part. That that's the
1: other thing that I was kind of getting to with the with the plot questions. So the two rovers and two spacesuits thing that was just uh, you know that that was that was something that I kind of thought of in the moment. But the thing that that actually made me question Gertie's um, purpose mm. to the company mm. is so, so this company wants to be able to you know have control over this operation. Uh, they're hiding something which means that they should you know that means that they would want to keep very tight control over the situation. Mm. They've gone as far as to limit a uh, certain amount of access to, to messages from, from Earth. Um So it seems weird Because at the end of it They they come up with a way for One of the clones To return to Earth Um And he does this by Turning Programming to Gertie to turn off And reboot to, to turn off in the moment and reboot After the shuttle that he's in That goes back to Earth has left Um and so Gertie can wake up the new clone and they can go through their whole thing and, and Gertie's memories would be erased. Mm-hmm. It seems weird that this company wouldn't have Gertie sending them updates and, and video stream and whatever in real time. Like it seems weird that he would have that, that there would be
0: the option to wipe his memory. So Gertie I feel like Gertie is a flawed program uh, right. from the company perspective because they have him programmed to protect and serve, basically, Sam. Mm-hmm. But he does that over the interests of the company, yeah. which they probably never foresaw. Right. So but I I don't think it was a situation where... They even thought of that possibility,
1: right? I, and and I guess just sheer oversight would, would yeah. be the best explanation for it. But it just seems weird that you wouldn't have constant updates on what's happening on the ship at yeah. all times.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can poke tiny plot holes if yeah, you want, but I, I mean,
1: it's it's all it's all very much. Th- this this is a good movie. None of these things really drag it down. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. So. Uh, that's about it. That's about all I got for notes. What do you? Th- I do have one big topic that I want to get to, but once we once we kind of flesh out the um rest of the the line by line of the movie, we can get to it.
1: Um, I I I think. Oh, there was one other thing that I thought was pretty neat. Um, Sam, all the Sams. It seems. um I think it's cool that they're not really like what you would think of as like the astronaut type. Yeah, they're not. You know, they're not very. He's just a guy. Yeah, it, it's a very like blue collar worker thing, like you'd expect from from you know.
0: He's space farming. Yeah, he's a space farmer. Yeah,
1: he's he's a he's a miner for a company, and they're you know this this isn't you know NASA. This isn't. He's not a scientist in space. He's. A
0: dude doing a job. And, yeah, uh, I think that's he has like cool. one. Or, he, it seems like his actual day to day job is mostly crisis management. Yeah, and he has two or three set actual tasks. Yeah. that that occupy his his daily work routine, which take up an hour or two. Yeah, like seemingly, and that's being generous. Yeah, I, uh, so you know, it doesn't seem like a hard job. No, other than the mental. Anguish and the fact that you're a clone. And, uh,
1: <laughs> if if you if you get that far, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I I like that because usually this seems like so so if you're going to put it on a timeline, like compared with, you know, the the
0: Apollo thirteen. The,
1: well, no, like a timeline compared with other stuff in in the sci-fi genre. Mm. Usually, you don't start seeing like space contractors and space, you know, just. Blue collar, yeah. working man guys, until you're like way into colonization. Like, yeah, like colonization, humans as a space faring species yeah. who have been that way for hundreds, maybe thousands of years yeah. and have gone to all corners of the universe and yeah. shit. And, and this one, it's pretty drawn back. Like, the, this is like, we can make it to the moon. It's suggested that there is a ship somewhere around, I think they said Jupiter. Like a moon of Jupiter, that that's the one that's coming back for him, but it's it's never suggested that we've gone anywhere outside of our solar system or anything like that. I don't even
0: think it's that. I'm pretty sure the ship was coming from Earth. I think Jupiter is um, where one of their satellites was that they were using to communicate. Possibly. I think that was. I think that you misunderstood that. Possibly. Because Ju- they have a Earth satellite, like a moon satellite, and then like a Jupiter satellite, for whatever reason.
1: Possibly. So, so yeah, I, I think that, I think that that's cool that this is like definitely if, if you were to put everything, you know, if you were to try and tie a consistent timeline between several other different, um, sci-fi properties, uh, I think that this would be the first time we've seen just the space working man. Yeah.
0: I think that's kind of neat. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So real, real question here. Real talk. Clones.
1: They have a saga. What...
0: <laughs> what... It, in a situation that... Like one that happens in this movie. And uh-huh. I don't want you to consider this movie as, as evidence as to how you would react. Okay. In a situation... So, backstory for the listeners, if you haven't seen this movie. there's There's... We'll go with Sam 1, who is... The, the one that the movie fo- opens on and crashes and is discovered. There's Sam 2 who discovers him. Um, and that's all we really need. Uh, there's a Sam 3 and then there's Sam a lot more than that yeah. in the freezer. but uh, You never see, but it's
1: a pretty long corridor yeah. full of Sams. Yeah, <laughs> but for for the
0: purposes of this discussion, we'll, we'll, we'll say Sam 1 and 2 are relevant. So... Sam 1 and Sam 2 come up with a plot. Uh, and Sam 1 is near his expiration date. He's started to throw up blood, he is losing um, function in his limbs. He's losing function in his brain. He's
1: Losing teeth
0: and he, hair. Yeah, he's losing <laughs> teeth and hair. He's passing out randomly. He's not in good shape. He's
1: pretty much bleeding profusely from every orifice. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he
0: he has a he is fucking doing the doing the waltz. Yeah, he's right on out of here. He's he's gone. So. Sam... That's Sam 1. Sam 2 is in perfect health. He is yeah. doing just fine. He's a
1: brand spanking new clone. Yeah. Oh, less than a week. Yeah. Less than a week old.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, um, Sam 1 and Sam 2 befriend each other. And they form a pretty solid working relationship uh-huh. where they're working through all of these um, details to, to get to the bottom of exactly what's going on. Which they do. Um, and so they devise a plot to... Um, Escape Sam 1 Back to Earth Sam 2 Will be the welcome party For this rescue ship That's coming to them And Sam 3 who is not awake yet They're going to kill him and put him in the Crashed rover So that uh, it doesn't Seem sketched that there's no one in there To this rescue ship Right Now uh, It becomes obvious to Sam 1 That this plan will not work because he's not gonna survive a trip back to earth he's Which not even
1: establishedes three days
0: yeah he's not even gonna survive much longer like he I, is I
1: think he's dead within five hours movie time yeah
0: he <laughs> he is he is on the out now yeah like he is he's done for and he admits it and he calls an audible and decides to change the plan so that he gets put back in the rover Um... Sam 2 can escape back to Earth and Sam three <laughs> will be... sorry, n- you said Sam 2 can. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and Sam three will um, be the one to be the, you know the guy when when the rescue team visits and no one will be none the wiser because right. he's gonna wipe. G- G- what is the name Gendry. Gertie Gertie Gendry is from Game of Thrones <laughs> um, Gimlet <laughs> yeah Gimlet um, so now, that's backstory they, work, yes. they have a very good working relationship yeah. so my question to you is what are the implications of meeting your own clone and let's say the situation wasn't as dire for Sam 1 or for Chris 1 uh you meet your own clone and you have to basically come like you are pitted sort of, you have the, the potential to be pitted against your own clone. What level of empathy do you, and selflessness I guess, do you think you could ever possibly feel for this clone of yourself? I think that the um, that's the starting point of the question that I'm trying to ask anyway. basically okay in, the, in this in these like in any circumstance where you were forced to interact and potentially compete with a cloned version of yourself, like what how does that how does that play out? Um, and I I mean a specific to you, but B in general with human nature, you know, what do you think? I think, personally,
1: I I if if I were to if there were to be a a clone of me, and saying that, that you know I really really the clone situation usually like in in narrative stuff tends to derive most of the drama from uh from from kind of who gets to continue living life as the original yeah. In this specific like like if, if I was in this situation, um, specifically and there wasn't really life if it was all fabricated and the you know, the everything that I thought was was a lie. Yeah. It, it, in that situation, I would have to say I wouldn't have a huge amount of investment in it, especially if I knew I was near the end of my, my short clone life. I would probably go ahead and be like, look, you know, have fun with your, uh, with, with your, uh, with, with the time you got, you know, (laughs) hang on one second. Sorry about that. (laughs) Sorry about that. Anyway. Uh, uh, Puppy difficulties. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, so, so yeah, for, for me in this specific situation, I think I probably would have made it saying that I was Sam one. I'm pretty sure I would have made the same decisions roundabout. Okay, so... In a in a different context... Yeah. I think that... I think that for me, I would try personally to see it, like... And, and, you know, assuming my clone has, you know, my same thought pattern and brain, I think that we could... I think that we could probably work something out where both of us at least still gets to be sentient. Like... There wouldn't have to be only one. We would just, you know, we would, we would you know, fuck off to different corners of the world and you know, do our own thing, live
0: out our own life. And I, I, I know I would personally prefer it that way. Um, do you think you see more empathy for a clone version of yourself than you would for, say, just a close friend? I think you would naturally,
1: like, like just from a, a human point of view, I think you would naturally see a little bit more. I think there'd be a, a big adjustment period for meeting your clone, um, where you you are are naturally off put. You might be even skeptical. Bit, you know, hostile. You you might feel like. Which does happen in this
0: movie. Yeah, because at it, first the clones do not get along very well.
1: Yeah, because at, at first, at first it's. You know, you having to struggle with, with sentience and individuality, you know, you are now, you know, especially if, if cloning's not a huge thing, um, you're, you're now no longer an individual. You are part of two identical individuals. But I think overall it would, it would probably end up pretty quickly breeding a special kind of camaraderie because it's the one person that you've ever met that you wouldn't have to project onto. Like, you get it. Aside from a slight variance in what his point of view might be, you understand, you know, the past, you understand the general way that they're thinking. I think you would be able to trust your clone kind of implicitly as long as something doesn't go horribly wrong. And it is it is implied that uh in, in this movie and it would probably be a little bit more realistic to assume this, that there could be aberrations in 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 the cloning process. Sure. There can be clones with different personalities. You see that, uh you see that that Sam too is kind of a little bit more on edge. He's a little bit more, you know, ready to kinda you know, investigate things and fuck shit up, and he, yeah. he's 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 a little bit angrier, and it's it's one of those. There, there's also like you know,
0: there's circumstance because there, there's a bunch of he's two and a you know almost three years quote unquote younger than Sam one who's spent three years on the moon.
1: Yeah, so so there's there's a there's a slight difference in personality, and that they state that that could change between clone to clone and there could be aberrations and there are a bunch of other sci-fi properties that have done that with clones like a clone process that deteriorates over time one one that comes to mind is if you've ever played Fallout 3 and gone in the Gary vault Yeah, <laughs> the Gary's all used to be a normal guy named Gary and now they have deteriorated through so many generations of cloning that they're just <laughs> obscenely <laughs> aggressive and only say uh, the and, word Gary. And outwardly hostile, and they only say Gary. <laughs> so, they're, they're, they're... But but my answer would be assuming that, you know, Perfect Clone, your mind, the the only thing that you would have to take into consideration would be a different point of view slightly. I think you would naturally develop a, a more of a bond, and you would want to trust each other and want to see each other do well
0: personally <laughs> probably depends on the person some people might be so put off or scared or confused that they refuse to accept yeah the reality but it also depends on the context of the world that you are in because you know you in our world like if I said that I met a clone of myself you would think that I was crazy like yeah. if I was serious about <laughs> it like you know someone today would be considered insane and that's all there is to it you know so, it depends on the context of the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's weird to think about, but, like, just... It's, it's, it's so strange to consider the possibility of, like, um, you know, having to possibly compete with yourself for survival... Um, and really decide on you decide to sacrifice yourself so a different version of yourself can can go on yeah I think there's something deeply um thought provoking about that
1: yeah and 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 like i said in the in the circumstances of this movie i i would i would say that that I know that I would probably make the Sam one decision if I was in Sam one shoes but you know I still don't think if it came down to it and we were both you know two perfectly operational versions of the same person and for some reason arbitrarily one of us had to die like so the other one could go on i i think at that point all bets would be off i would i would try like hell to to find a way for us both to be sentient but i mean at the end of the day you or me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if, if there is truly no win win scenario. So okay, I guess I guess the
0: best way to pose what I'm trying to trying to get to the core of is let's say you've got a clone of yourself and only and I know I'm harping on this for a long time, but right. it's I was thinking like I was thinking about stuff like this for most of the movie and especially at the end. Um, you've got a clone of yourself. You, Chris One or Tyler 1 or Sam 1 are slightly worse off in the ev- event of success than your clone. Okay. Like, I would say marginally worse off. Like, let's say, I don't know, I don't even want to quantify it more specifically than that, but let's say you're slightly worse off than your clone. Okay. And only one of you can survive in a situation like this. Do you save yourself, because that's what as humans we do? Do you do you, you know, save yourself or do you save the other clone knowing that they have a better chance than you do? I I think It's it's a weird I, I it's, think, I'm sure it's impossible to say yeah, without ever, you know, being in that situation, but
1: I I think that uh I think that it all really depends on how you quantify, like, marginally worst off. If it's like, you know, I, I, I've, I've got a, a, a curable, like, sore throat or something, and and there's a chance that I might not make it back to Earth, but it's definitely assured that the, the other clone would, I, I would under... I, with with that I would say that I would probably put up more of a fuss about yeah <laughs> about being the one that gets to continue having their uh, their yeah. stream of consciousness uninterrupted yeah <laughs> and, um but uh, if you know yeah I mean it, it's it it is it is a very hard hard question to to answer when you get into to when when you talk in when you talk in specifics like you know with there not being a no win yeah a no win win scenario yeah so yeah <sighs> yeah well well so next movie uh I want to so so when when we were redeciding when when we were rerolling for uh Ro- Rosenkrantz and Gildenstern for the replacement we had a slightly different system that we employed than usual still die space I picked three movies off of the list Tyler picked three movies off of the list and we assigned them number values one through six and we uh, we rolled a six sided die and the first number it landed on twice was the number that we chose off of the list uh so and and to to clarify more moon was given the number value of six the die landed on six twice and and so so we did moon so we're gonna add we're gonna cross moon off this list cross moon off the main list add another movie and we're gonna re-roll so since you got Moon, which was your pick. Mm, I would add another
0: movie, right? Right. Yeah.
1: I guess. Yeah. Or do you think that?
0: Yeah. Well, like a four-two split wouldn't make sense. Right. Um. So. Yeah, I kind of so, wanted so. to have a better idea before we did this, um, but I will just go ahead and make a snap decision. <laughs> um. How about Reign of Fire? Rain of Fire, okay. I guess we shouldn't be li- naming these stuff out loud since we, you know, might not get that. But whatever. Here, roll on the notebook so it's not as loud.
1: Yes. Good, Good plan. So, just just so everyone knows, since we did already tell you what the the number six option was, one is uh, the Ralph Bakshi... Uh, animated Brad Pitt starring Cool World. Uh, two is a movie called Thirteen Conversations about one thing. It's about one thing. Uh, three is Repo Man. Four is is Obsessed. Five is another Brad Pitt thing. Uh, Johnny Suede Reign of Fire is number six. Got a six. Got a four. And a six. Looks like it's rain of fire. Rain of fire it is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you next time, kitties. Have a good night, Roland. Drive safe. Drive safe.